0: Thank you very much, praise team. Let's give them a hand, will you? What a blessing today. Thank you very much. Boy, I I love the opportunity to gather together. I don't know about you, I have enjoyed watching online, but I have so missed the opportunity to come together. And there is uh, the church actually is an assembly of people, and so we're here assembled today, and what a joy it is to meet in the Lord's house. Would you say amen to that? Uh, I'm so glad our pastor uh, John and Joy are here today. They're doing better. Would you give them a hand? They are well. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to stand in today. Let's turn in our Bibles to Judges, chapter number six. And uh, Pastor John introduced this series to us two weeks ago. And what a blessing it was when life is bigger than you. uh, We have the story of Gideon and how Gideon was used of the Lord uh, to deliver the uh, nation of Israel. It was a sad time in the nation of Israel. They were going through this cycle over and over. They would find uh, themselves in great disobedience and offer sacrifices to a false god. And God would bring judgment and then they would, after so long a time, they would cry out and God would deliver them. And so he would bring up a judge, and that's what Gideon was one of the judges. A period of almost 400 years, we find, elapses in the book of Judges. And judge after judge, God raises up, and so he raises up this underdog. <laughs> that was week number one. Underdog becomes a big dog when God is with him, our pastor. They gave us that. And uh, as, as God spoke to him in chapter number six, it says in verse number six, And Israel was greatly impoverished uh, because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Uh, you see, they had been hiding in dens and caves, and, and when they had come out and planted and they would come to harvest, the Midianites would come and they would take all of their harvest, and they would take all of their animals. And uh, so they were greatly distressed because of the situation they were in. But the reason is, verse number 10, uh, he said in verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Well, we find because of great disobedience, the angels of the Lord uh, came to their aid, and cri- as they cried out unto the Lord, the angel appeared unto Gideon. He was threshing wheat in verse number 11, and he was doing it in the wine press, our pastor told us. Of course, that's way down, and it's not, not the ideal place. He was doing it, hiding, trying to provide for his family, and the angel appeared to him and said to him, Lord, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He's hiding, he's scared to death, and uh, he calls him a mighty man of valor. That's, that's the potential. <laughs> that's what God is going to make. It's, it's a marvelous thing when God comes to us in our desperation, in our need, in our weakness, and uh, pronounces over us, thou mighty man of valor. Uh, I'm going to do something in your life. And it scares you half to death. And uh, so <laughs> God knows how to take someone like Gideon, who was, the Bible says here, that he was a, a one not willing to be the leader, not uh, ex- wanting to run for office. He was not interested in taking the job on. Uh, for he said, if you notice in verse 15, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. That's a half-tribe half of Manasseh. He wasn't even in a whole tribe. He was in a half-tribe. He was a half-pint, we might call him. And he said, I am the least in my father's house. It reminds me of so many, even like David, who when uh, Samuel came looking for a king and uh, Jesse brought all of his sons and David wasn't even there. He just left him out there because he didn't have any idea that this youngest, uh, littlest of the brothers would be a prospect for a king. He just left him out in the field. And, but God always, even when uh, the dad couldn't see uh, only a shepherd boy, God saw a king in that shepherd boy. And he saw in Gideon who said, I'm the weakest, I'm the youngest, I'm, I'm in the, it's just a half tribe. God saw something there that got his attention. So underdogs, as Pastor said, can become real victorious uh, in when God is in it. The second week, though, last week, Brother Nathan came. And uh, Brother Nathan began to explain how that God's presence changes everything when God comes to visit. He says in verse 16, The Lord said, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, Gideon is, is led along here because God begins to reassure him over and over. Uh, we, we read as he uh, meets there under the Terebeth tree, and the angel said, I want, you to, I want you to provide an offering here, and I want you to bring the unleavened cake, and I want you to provide the meat and, and lay it here on the rock. And the angel of the Lord came as he brought that sacrifice, and the fire fell from heaven. I mean, he stepped back, and that pot roast got roasted in a hurry. <laughs> and he, he, uh, he was uh, excited, and the Bible says that he was so excited. He said, oh, now I get it. You're really the angel of the Lord, <laughs> and you're really going to do something mighty. You see, it, it's amazing when the Lord comes in just a quiet moment and yet we, we, we don't understand what God is really doing in our life. I remember uh, when Pastor John introduced that series to us two weeks ago and uh, I never had seen this in the text, but he was preaching that a couple weeks ago and he said in verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which is an Orpha. And he, he began to speak. And I, I loved it when that morning he just came and he just sat down. And the Lord said, Gideon, I got something for you. I, I want you to know I, I got a plan for you. And you're going to be a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, who, me? <laughs> not me, Lord. That's, that's not going to happen. That's, I'm, not that, I'm not that type. <laughs> but you know, that morning, I got overcome with emotion. You know why? Because I was coming home from baseball practice when I was a kid. And I, it was hot uh, August afternoon in West Texas. And I sat under a tree. And uh, when I sat under the tree, I began to hear the small voice speaking into my heart. The message I'd heard the week before. And I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed a Savior. And I knew that, I mean, I just became overcome with emotion. Uh, as I did a couple weeks ago. You see, the quiet voice of the Lord, don't mistake it. Because the Lord is, is reaching out to each of us. That's why you're here. That's why the Lord gives you the word. And I remember hearing the message the Sunday before, and it, man, I realized I needed Christ And I confess to you that that day Jesus saved my soul. (laughs) I was just a kid, but I I confess today He's still my Savior. He forgave me and gave me everlasting life. There have been a lot of of difficulties in in the journey, but I'm here to confess to you that Jesus said I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, and that is the truth. Amen? He never will. Sometimes we get a little desperate and we get a little bit in a point in our life where we feel like I can't go on and where is God? And that's exactly what he said. Pour out your complaint unto the Lord. Gideon poured out his complaint unto the Lord. He said, well, in verse 13, he said, where are all the miracles? Our fathers told us about in Egypt. But he said, but now the Lord has forsaken and delivers in the hand of the Midianites. You know, God is not alarmed when we pour out our complaint to Him. When we cry out to God our need in our time of desperation. God knows all about it. He's looking for you to cry out to Him. And so God is ready to do something in the life of Gideon. Well, God's presence changes everything, Nathan said last week, and what a blessing it was to hear that, because the Lord is with you. The Lord says over and over, He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over us. He, he believes in you more than you believe in you. Did you know that? He cares about you. He, he has a plan for you. He has a purpose in your life, and God thinks more of you many times than you do he wants to come to you he wants to tell you in the quiet moment the small voice of the lord speaks in (laughs) wow well gideon didn't quite get it did he he didn't quite understand that but when the fire comes All of a sudden, he gets excited, and so he builds an altar in verse 24. He builds an altar and worships the Lord. He gets so excited for what the Lord has done, and then the Bible tells us in verse number 34, after his father defends him for tearing down this Baal uh, altar, this altar to this false god, After he tears that down and does exactly what God says, and then his dad rescues him, then he is filled with the Spirit of God. There's there's a Spirit of God doing something through me now. There's God that's working in my life. And it's kind of surprising, but it says in verse 34, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Aborazites gathered behind him. Did you realize that as he came and blew that trumpet, there's still a little bit of hesitation. And we see, as Nathan talked to us about verse 36 through verse 40, about the fleece and how God did a a marvelous sign for him on two different occasions there. The fleece was wet one day and the the ground was dry around him. And the next day he said, don't get angry at me, Lord. I just need a little more help and a little more reassurance. You see, God knows where we are. He knows our frame. He leads us. For the Lord is our shepherd. <laughs> he leads us gently. He encourages. He, he talks to us. He, he reassures us over and over again. And so he reassures Gideon again okay, I'm going I'm to do the opposite thing. The ground's going to be wet and the leaves are going to be dry. <laughs> and God's going to do it again. And so he blows that trumpet. Guess what? Guess what happens? This is this is this takes courage. He blows the trumpet of alarm. This is a call to war. And as he blows that trumpet, the Bible says not one, not two, not three showed up, but thirty-two thousand showed up. <laughs> now that's a, that's a nice crowd. I don't know about you, but if a preacher had a campaign and and he did all of this planning and promoting, and all of a sudden thirty-two thousand showed up, he a preacher would be pretty excited, don't you think? I mean, I, I would be really excited. And, and all of a sudden, he's so excited at what God is doing. He said, man, look at this crowd, Lord. Look what you have done. <laughs> you know, I know he's about ready to say, look, look, look what we did. <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he's excited about this crowd. 32,000. Can't wait to write that up in the bulletin and send that out to everybody. Wow, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> I don't think it says all that in the text, but I'm taking a little liberty here. You understand what I'm doing here. He's getting a little excited. And then the Lord says, wait a minute, uh, Gideon, there's too many. It's too many. What do you mean there's too many, Lord? <laughs> Look at this. This is awesome. No, no, it's too many. We're going to have to pare it down. And here's the reason. Look at verse 2. He said, if you don't pare it down, the Midianites, and I give them into your hand, Israel will claim glory for itself. It won't give me the glory. See, that's one of the most powerful things that God wants, is that when we come, that he gets the glory. You see, he must be the one lifted up. We praise the name of Jesus. Can we say that? We praise the name of Jesus. Yes. One more time. We praise the name of Jesus. Yeah. We praise His name. It's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved. That He changes us. He delivers us. You see, He begins to pare it down. He said, tell all those that are afraid to go home and... 22,000 turn tail and run home. He said, Okay, Lord, that's enough. That's enough. No, it, it really isn't enough. <laughs> the 10,000 is too many. <laughs> now, Lord, have you seen all those minions down there? There are thousands of them. They're like ants, they're everywhere. 10,000, Lord, let's leave it alone. But no, the Lord says, I'm not done yet. Why? Because they will not give me the glory. They will claim the glory. You see, giving him the glory makes all the difference in the world. Now, I I want Jana to come. Jana's going to give a word of testimony today. She's going to share what God has been doing in her life. We've been walking through a journey for about a year through Regen Recovery. And it's wonderful. She gave her testimony. And uh, Mitch, the other day in our meeting, and I just said, Janna, it's a great testimony. Would you
1: give it to us? Like I could tell him no. <laughs> Hi, my name is Janna. I have a new life in Christ. I am in recovery for pride, control, and for a long time what I called a lack of trust in God. But I realize now that it's discontentment with God. My husband was asked by a friend to be a mentor, so I came to mentor training with him, and afterwards we decided to go through Regen so we would be familiar with the curriculum, the process of it. In February of 2019, I boldly and arrogantly came to groundwork with the attitude that I was neither broken nor a daily sinner. Romans 7.18 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Throughout the regen process, both in groundwork and closed group, God has peeled back layer after layer to show me how broken I am and how sinful my view of God, my view of myself, and my responses to everyday life really are. I have been in church since I was a baby, and I never realized that my perspective of God and how I view his authority and his view of sin was so totally skewed, so totally sinful, that I somehow thought that God wasn't that big, that holy, and that I'm not that bad. I'm not a sinner like, you can insert any name there. I remember thinking when I started in groundwork that I had a lack of trust in God, which it took almost the entire year for me to figure out it's not that I don't trust God, it's that I'm discontent with God and the story of my life he has written. It wasn't that I didn't trust God with my life. I didn't trust God to give me the life I wanted. I want this, I want that. How come my friends get this? How come so-and-so got that? I had always heard the verse about being content, and I thought I was until I came to Regen. And then I began to understand what contentment really means, to be totally okay with whatever God chooses for me galatians 5 and 25 says and those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit during this year of regen i suffered some significant losses experienced some amazing highs dealt with the lifelong thought patterns i finally saw my sin of control and how that control caused me to have an incorrect view of God, myself, my husband, and my friends. I saw how my sin of control affected my marriage and how my need of it put myself ahead of God and my husband. Also during this year, I hit rock bottom that led to thoughts of suicide and divorce, which caused me to become desperate for Jesus. And when I hit the bottom and let go of my need of control, God was there to show me who I am in him And that he is in control that he loves me unconditionally and pursues me continually regeneration has equipped me with the necessary tools to daily take stock of my life and my responses to identify sinful patterns that I need to confess repent repent from and make amends for so that I continue in a healthy relationship with Christ and the world around me I daily fail I daily forget to confess repent, and make amends. At times I take back control, let my pride get in the way, and want a different life. But eventually I remember this process and start it all over again. Second Corinthians 517 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Hi, my name is Jana, I have a new life in Christ. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Amen. Amen amen you see it's wonderful to give the lord praise and the healthiest people are those who admit and come to recognize uh, recognition that they are in need and that the patterns of sin uh, come in our life over and over and winning over those patterns are is what god wants to do he reassures us over and over that we are his but he also comes to us in our need, in our desperation, and says, I want to help you, I want to direct you, I want to lead you, and I want to give you the power to be victorious in your Christian life over all the patterns that continue to plague your life. But God reassures him, as he did Gideon, he reassured Gideon over and over. And when Gideon came to this point, he said, Lord, uh, why would you want to pare down? We've already, we, we just have 10,000 left. He said, No, I, I want to test them. There's too many because it means so much for the, this, this Israel to give me the glory, the glory to God, and not take the glory themselves. And so the test was to go down and drink the water. <laughs> and so they went down to the river to drink the water. And the Bible tells us, He said, You watch all that take up the water in their mouth. And they, they lapped, verse 7 says, the, they lap like a dog. They bring it up. They're, they keep their eyes up. And so he marked them and separated them from the 10,000 that drank at the river. And guess how many there were? There were 300 left. And so Gideon says, thanks a lot, Lord. <laughs> I had 32,000, now i got 300. So what are we going to do? Well, I just want to reassure you that I'm in charge, and you're not, Gideon. You get that? He's the Lord, amen? He's the Lord of our life. He knows tomorrow. He knows the next day. God is the one who has our lives in his hands. If we just recognize the power of the risen Savior to give us life, to give us hope, to give us the answers when our life is, it seems like we have no answers and we're without hope and we're desperate. I'm telling you, all of us face desperation. Some of you are facing it today with health issues, some of you are facing it with family issues, with job issues, kids. You see, All of life, there comes those times when we just say, Lord, how in the world are we going to do this? And the Lord says, I'm in charge. I'm able. I'm the one that can do it. And so, look, if you will, in chapter 7, the Lord says, I know that you're afraid. You're still fearful. I've done all of these things for you, and I roasted the pot roast, and I... I wet the fleece and dried the fleece and and and, and now I'll, I want you to I want one last thing here. He says, I want you to go down to the camp. You sneak down there to all those Midianites. So he goes down there, and guess what? Here he is, in the middle of the Midianites, and they are like a, verse 12 says of chapter seven, they're as numerous as locusts. Their camels are without number as the sand of the seashore in multitude. Oh, More than I can count. But guess what? He says, there's a man going to have a dream. And he listened to one of the Midianites. In verse number 13. I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned. And the tent collapsed. And then his companion answered and said, There's nothing else but the sword of Gideon and the son of Joaz. A man of Israel, into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. <laughs> Gideon overheard this in the camp of the Midianites. Amazing, isn't it? Sends them down in the night to hear a guy tell his dream. <laughs> that's not in the success manuals, did you know that? That's not, that's not in the, uh, the list of things to do to, to, to have victory and to be successful. <laughs> But it was God. When God shows up, when He's present, changes everything. Yeah. He reassures a man who says, I'm not a leader. I'm the least in my father's house. I'm in the half, a half tribe. I'm a half pint in Manasseh. Lord, He shows him, I'm in charge. I will deliver you. Well, guess what? He hears this dream and realizes, wow, they are afraid of us. They're afraid of the sword of Gideon and of the Lord. And God is going to do it. He reassures them with this dream. And he gives them victory with just a small army. You know, I love, I love this verse. First Corinthians chapter 1. If you'll turn there for just a moment, I've got to close with this verse. And that, that t- tells us that God is looking down upon us today. He's looking at the desperation. He's looking what we have in our life to look at and the difficulty in our life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says in verse number 26, For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Get in are in good company here. You say, I'm not a mighty man. I'm not a noble man. I'm I'm a nobody in the half tribe of Manasseh. He said, well, you're in good company. Because that's exactly what God is looking for. He's exactly what God is looking for. He's not looking for people with a great ability. He's looking for people with availability. He's, He's looking for people who are normal, ordinary people. That will believe in an extraordinary God. To do miracles. Because you see, I can't save anybody. I can't deliver anybody. But I serve one who does. Who can. He's the God of all grace. He's the God of miracles. He's the God who changes our life. He's, he's the only one that can forgive us of our sins. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die on that cross for us. But he said, the reason is in verse, he says, I don't call mighty. Very few times will I ever call a mighty person. He said in verse 28, he said, the the base things of the world and the things that are despised, God has chosen. Verse 28, the things which are not to to bring to nothing things that are, are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Same message, isn't it? No flesh should glory in His presence. When God comes to us and takes our life, you know, it was just a few years after I sat underneath that tree and I listened to the Lord call me to salvation. As a young teenager, I listened to His voice calling me about my life and I said oh Lord not me I got a lot of loudmouth friends they could be great preachers <laughs> not me my dad's not a preacher my grandpa said this would be a politician so you have lots of whiskey and it's free <laughs> I didn't come from a line of preachers uh uh-uh. uh I said, call some of them. And I'm going to tell you, it's amazing the journey if you're just willing to say, here am I. You're not going to get much, but I'll give you what I am. You make me what I ought to be. It's It's been a wonderful life. I get to show up on Sunday and hear my son preach. Sunday afternoon I get to go home and hear my other son preach on Facebook. It's it's been a wonderful run. I'm privileged to come here today just to tell you that Jesus cares for you. He'll meet with you under the tree. He'll meet quietly with you. He'll speak to you where you are what, you, what you're meeting with, what you have in your life today. He knows your hopelessness. He knows your need today. And I'm telling you, He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Yeah. Let's bow for prayer. Do you need a Savior today? He'll save you. Do you need a deliverer today? Deliver you from some habits? some hang-ups, some disappointments, some brokenness, some angry spirit of things that have happened in your life? Does you need to deliver today? He, he wants to deliver you. Today, are you, are you feeling hopeless and helpless? God wants to come to you right now where you are with what you need and tell you, I am God, and I love you. And the presence of God changes everything. Yes. The presence of God changes everything. Would you invite him in today? If you need a Savior, invite him to be your Savior. I cried out that day, oh God, forgive me. I pray you forgive me of my sin. I I need a Savior. I believe Jesus died. I prayed that prayer. He saved me. He still, I confess today, Jesus is the Lord and Savior. He came to my life that day. He's never left me. But there have been times of desperation and hopelessness in my life when I've just cried out, Oh God, I need help. I need you. And he will come you invite him in. Let's stand for prayer. We're going to sing just a moment. Would you cry out to him, Lord? We we pray. We, We bow before you. We need you, Lord, today. Speak quietly that still small voice into our heart. Some need salvation, Lord. May they cry out and pray that prayer of salvation lord forgive me save me but lord others are struggling with their life with habits and patterns of sin they can't overcome god i pray you'll help them to say i need your help lord i admit i need deliverance but lord there's some today that are feeling mighty hopeless They're facing difficulty that they have no idea the future. I pray you'll help them right now. God, you're the God of hope. You know you're bigger. You know the future. Our life is in your hands. And Lord, we just pray, deliver us. Give us faith, our weak, feeble faith. Show us, Lord, that you are God. Of all grace, a God of miracles. Touch us today, we pray. May we hear your voice in Jesus' name.